So yeah, tonight we are studying, picking back up on uh, number nine, uh, the authority of Jesus Christ. So for anyone new, uh, we're using this uh, Learn of Me workbook. Um, I, it's not required or anything, but uh, a few of us have, have bought this from Deseret Book. It's from Stephanie Dib Sorensen, and uh, it just goes through uh, all of the topical guide entries and uh, puts all of those scriptures out so that you don't have to go and chase them down. Um, but anyway, we're doing number nine. It's page 52 if you're following along in that workbook and uh, going through the authority of Jesus Christ, which was very interesting to me. Uh, as I'm uh, going through it, I I don't know, I, I guess I was expecting it to be a more of a, a tangent uh, study versus, you know, some of these that are titles of Christ, um, uh, like authority. What more can we understand about it? But it was very interesting, the, uh, the patterns and, and things that seemed to emerge as I was going through and highlighting all of these in my scriptures. Um, one of the things that, that really stood out to me was that um, that oftentimes the the scripture writer or the prophet is talking about uh, the authority that God is giving to His Son, and that um, uh, especially like there in John um, that uh, hath given all things to Him, uh, committed all judgment unto the Son. Um, hath sent him that anyway there there's many different uh, relationships there of uh, or references to the relationship I should say uh, of God the Father um, giving authority to Christ and um, especially that word power that comes into play a lot throughout all of these different references here um, that I hadn't necessarily I don't know I, I that wasn't one of the words that I typically put together, authority and power, but um, they they seem to very much um, be synonymous or um, referencing each other. Um, when you have the authority, you have the actual power to to act. And that's one of the fruits by which we can know if somebody comes in authority is because they have the power and uh, can manifest that. Uh, to us kind of by their fruits you shall know them kind of thing but anyway what did you all learn as you were going through um, these verses in uh, the authority of Jesus Christ did you see any patterns or or any insights different things that really stood out to you as you were going through it um, I was just going to look up on Bible hub and uh, kind of do like a, a word study on like authority and power there. Um, since, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of getting used to jumping back into the swing of things and uh, forgot that that's one of my, my main things is, is going to Bible hub and uh, pulling those out here. So I was just pulling that up. Let's see. So, for example, the first one that's popping out to me is Mark 3, 14 through 15. So let's pull that up on the screen. Mark chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, and find the word power. Let's see, did I...
Where even is the word power? Okay, am I in the right place? <laughs> I might have. Okay, Mark 3, 14 through 15. Oh, I, that's why I'm not seeing this. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like <laughs> striking out. So it's only the King James that uh, puts that that word power in there. The other ones, um, like New International Version and English Standard Version, they all translate it as authority instead of power. So that's a really interesting correlation. Um, so as we scroll down in the Greek here, looking at the... Um, original word that they're using there. I have no idea how to pronounce that. Exousion. Um, so it's from uh, this derivative of existing. It's a privilege, i.e. a force, capacity, competency, freedom, or mastery, or a delegated influence. So that's really interesting how... Yeah that kind of a word can get translated in both ways as authority or in power. Hmm. So I'm going to click on that Strong's 1849 there and see just kind of the different ways. So it has 102 occurrences. Let me zoom in on that. 102 occurrences of that specific word in the Bible. And just kind of seeing how many times it is translated as one or the other. So like in King James, authority, authority. Uh, here, the King James differs. It, it translates it as power versus the other translations as authority. Huh. That's an interesting one that I would not have assumed. And it's interesting, this one... Um, sometimes uh, it's translated as power, but the other ones translate it as a domain as well. Hmm. Well, we came across, you know, dominion in a lot of those verses we've gone over. Yeah. Domain, dominion. So yeah, I'm going to have to go look that up in, in my lexicon as well and, and take a look at that exousia. I'm going to have to look at, refresh myself on pronunciation of Greek. I'm so involved in Hebrew right now. <laughs> Greek is pretty foreign to me. But um, whatever that is, the exousia um, being power and authority and, and sometimes even a dominion there, um, which is interesting, you know, especially in light of our uh, temple ordinances and all of those different words that are given to us. Yeah, another thing that stood out to me a lot is that most of these gospel writers are um, quantifying the amount of authority or power, and that they often use the word all or the word fullness or um, some asp, uh, some word that that represents um, the whole enchilada. I, I wish they really would have used that word. <laughs> that would have been awesome. But that they're using um, to to show that that this is God. That He is the all in all. That He has a fullness and uh, 
that there is nothing beyond his scope of authority. He has uh, complete authority to do everything that, that he came here to do, which I thought was very interesting that most of them referenced uh, a quantitative aspect to it. And another thing that stood out to me a lot was um, when we get to the, the Book of Mormon verses, there seems to be a very distinct difference in the way that they're um, referencing him. So in all of the Gospels, they're very um, heavily referencing who is giving Christ the power, and they're referencing a father or a God, an Elohim, that is giving his son all power. But in the Book of Mormon references, they are referencing him as father or the creator that is condescending below all in order to, um, to do these things. Uh, it's very interesting kind of referencing how those point to his authority. Um, I mean, it, it's more the manifestation of power versus um, uh, the gospel writers heavily referencing the, the transfer of authority or the actual giving it to Christ. And so I thought that was just an interesting take on how the New Testament writers and the Book of Mormon writers are, are coming at authority and power a little bit differently. So are there any other verses or words that really stood out to you, or maybe even that we want to, um, you know, pull up on the screen and kind of do word searches with? Because um, as I'm just looking through here, I mean, there, there's lots of them. Like right hand could be uh, an interesting one. The keys. You know what, actually, like Revelation 5.12, that one is a really interesting one because it has a lot of different words and I want to see what the originals um, are in that. So as we go to Bible Hub, go to Revelation 5 verse 12. Oh, I didn't want to do interlinear, but oh well. Okay, so saying in a voice loud, worthy is the lamb having been slain to receive the power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Is that all the same as we've got in the King James? Wisdom, strength. Blessing. Yeah, it seems to be the same there. I wanted to look at all of the different translations compared side by side. Oops, 5.12, not 12.5. Okay, so taking a look at, I don't know, I've really kind of come to love the new international version. It, it seems to be kind of an interesting, fun one. 
So um, taking a look at this new international versus like the King James, for example. So in a loud voice, they were saying versus saying with a loud voice. I think that's interesting that they're really pulling in some of those uh, pronouns and, and things. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth. So, yeah, interesting riches and wealth there. Wisdom, strength, honor, glory. And then translating blessing versus praise. Hmm. Because most of the, the translations do that as blessing. Yeah. But this one translating it as praise. So yeah, I kind of want to go look at that word. Can you hear me, um, Cameron? Sorry, I, I can barely hear you. What was oh, that? I have a speaker problem, but when I see these words, I think of the Messiah by Handel. Uh-huh, yeah, Handel's Messiah there. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, pronouncing all of the, the different titles and uh, gifts and, and things that were given to Christ. Yeah, that's a, a great insight there. So that uh, blessing or what did it, it translated it as praise mm -hmm. as well. So it comes from the, this Greek here, eulogia, which kind of sounds like eulogy, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we've got blessing, flattering speech, praise, blessing, bounty, bountiful. Kind of puts on a, a new meaning of, of blessing. Like when we pronounce blessings upon people, I wonder if, if that can come from that same kind of derivative of a, a flattering speech, praise, and bounteous gifts being blessed upon someone's head, uh, a gift being received helps me kind of understand that word a little bit better yeah that was interesting but yeah you know like in context of of revelations chapter uh, sorry it's singular not plural revelation chapter 5 verse 12 of um worthy is the lamb so very uh, apocalyptic and um, looking forward to um, this lamb that is receiving all of these things after being slain uh, in order to save and, and redeem us. And I like those. If you pull it back up again, I thought the punctuation was really interesting. On because that specific one or like some of these verses? No, the, um, that specific yeah, go back to right here because it says worthy is the lamb comma who was slain to receive power and wealth so it's almost like you can take out who was slain on that verse like worthy is the uh -huh. lamb to receive power and wealth where on the uh -huh. king james version it's like who was slain is vital to uh -huh. that part so i thought that was interesting yeah that's very interesting Sometimes I'm so focused on the words that I forget about the punctuation and, and how important those are in, in the different ways. Yeah, it's a great insight. 
And I don't know how many of you were with me with Hebrew on, on Thursday and, and my spiel on punctuation and, and things, but I, I find it very interesting to uh, kind of play around with punctuation and um, get different meanings or different insights as we're moving commas and, and putting periods in different places. Um, so yeah, that, that was very interesting there. It's interesting that the word wealth is used there too. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the wealth versus riches um, in, in different translations. Were you talking about that? Sorry, I hopped on late. Uh-huh. Oh, um, like I briefly mentioned it. I was like, oh, that's interesting, uh, kind of there. But let's go and look at, at that word as well. Um, power and wealth. Sorry for headache as I'm scrolling. I really wish <laughs> I could talk to the people of, of this website just to bump this section up a little bit so I don't have to like scroll so much. Not that it's, they're going to care about Zoom classes and scrolling, but let's see, to receive power and riches. So, Platon. So, it comes from the base of Pletho. I like well, the, the the abundance better. Yeah. Money, possessions, abundance, richness, valuable bestowment is interesting. So we have 22 occurrences of it in the New Testament. I'm just kind of seeing how it's used. So wealth versus riches. Huh, it's mostly translated as riches. But isn't that interesting because the value, but what is bestowed upon Christ? Mm -hmm. We are. So yeah. are we the valuable bestowment? Yeah. Valuable bestowment, abundance. I would much rather be referred to as that as riches. I don't want to be riches. <laughs> it kind of takes an interesting, different approach to it, doesn't it? And because abundance is what he taught, right? That you rely on the father for all things and he will bless you in abundance to have the things that you need. Mm -hmm. It wasn't focused on wealth, money, possessions, riches. It was more focused on having our needs, his needs met, our needs met. Yeah. Well, uh, also, another thing that kind of pops into my head as I'm looking at this list, um, how many, one, two, three, four, five. So there's six different things. So bear with me as I'm trying to flesh this out as it's popping in my head. But <laughs> um, as we're taking a look at these six and uh, referencing the six that are in like our sealing ordinance, right? Uh, kind of a, a similar list. And um, it also heavily references when Christ grew in wisdom and stature in favor of God and man. Um, I forget the reference on that. It's in the Gospels. But um, anyway, how that pairs with this revelation where he was growing in those things. And yet here in Revelation 512, uh, the lamb was slain to receive those things. And, and here he receives the whole six in in their fullness well it also makes me think of the temptation of christ mm -hmm. where satan was offering him everything you know but really it was a false offering because he already owned those things 
Mm-hmm. Was yeah. that the abundance? Like he already owns, possesses the earth. I don't want to say owns, but he created the earth. It's his, it's his endowment, right? Where his endowment. Yeah. And so all of that, just I don't know, that just makes me think of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that scripture. So it's Luke 2, 52, where he, uh, Jesus grew both in stature, wisdom, favor with God and man. Um, I really should have that memorized. <laughs> it's one of my favorite ones to, to go back and reference. But um, yeah, I, I really like what you said there with the, the temptation. Um, yeah, pulling that in there. Um, somebody in last group did that quote right above that Revelation 5.12 that I really liked. Um, and I hadn't read it when I was studying, but the Charles Penrose quote, um, the great stone was rolled away and the risen Christ came forth in his might. He grasped the keys of hell when he entered the dark regions of Hades. He grasped the keys of death when he came back triumphant and arose on high to receive all power, both on earth and in the heavens. And so I thought that was a very interesting um, way to look at grasping those two different keys, not in the same moment, but um, in the descent and ascent of, of his passion. And it also confirms because what was the power both on earth and in heaven? Mm-hmm. Earth is hell. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, we live in hell. <laughs> yeah. which leads me back did you guys talk about john 1 1 5 1 through 5 um not really we haven't got too far in any one specific thing we were just kind of talking about overarching ones and stuff so that's great john 1 1 through 5 let me pull it, says, it, up. it yeah in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the same was in the beginning with god all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. And this is the part in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness can comprehended it, comprehended it not. Sorry, I'm struggling. Okay. So I went and looked it up, which was interesting because my first scripture that that brought to mind was dnc 88 11 to 13 and that mm-hmm. was not referenced at all um so why don't you pull up dnc 88 11 to 13 yeah. on the on the screen so i circled life life light of men and light Just 88 which 88 oh my goodness <laughs> i've been studying 88 and 84 in tandem with each other they've yep. been so fun lately uh which verses did you say again 11 to 13 okay so i think you'll kind of like this i haven't read the power of light i started it and i haven't finished it but let's look here because we talk about the light of men the light that shineth in darkness and right here, it says the light which shineth. I don't know why this isn't cross-referenced in the scriptures. Yeah, very interesting, isn't it? Right, let it 
the light which is in all things, which giveth light to all things, which is what the scripture says. Mm -hmm. It's the law by which all things are governed, even the power of God. So how is the power of God governed? By the light. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if that's how the power of God is governed, then that's where priesthood power comes from is the light, right? Yeah. And how that light is in in all things. It, it quickeneth our understandings. And I mean, there's so much to light that we just don't <laughs> consider okay. or understand or even care about. So then that makes me think of when you said the light is in all things. And I thought, but we receive his light in our countenance, but not everybody keeps that light, mm -hmm. right? Which then brought me to the scripture in the Book of Mormon. Was that King Benjamin? Have you received his image in your countenance? Mm -hmm. Right? Which is the light of Christ. Yeah. It's kind of like a representation of the moon, right? As it receives the light, but it all depends upon position, how much light it reflects. And so are we uh, receiving the image in our countenance and reflecting it back in its fullness? Or are we hiding behind um, things, pride, uh, shirking our any responsibilities or whatever? And um, I mean, I know that the moon's in an orbit and and everything but like uh, having that reference of uh of the moon as a symbol for us and uh we're waxing and waning but yet we are to become a full satellite or a reflective uh light bearer of, of his light so that's the hard part is and that's pride but how like realizing do we have light how much light do we have? Can we work to get more light? Really assessing how much light we're reflecting. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really key with both DNC 88 and 84. Like, I mean, they are like really templates on, on how to receive and keep light and uh, amplify it and everything. <laughs> I it's been there all along, and uh, sometimes it's it's quite amazing to to go through those with new paradigms each time. Mm -hmm. well, it's interesting. I just was looking something up, and I think it goes along with light, at least my perception mm -hmm. of light, because I know there was a quote, I think by David O. McKay, that he quoted somebody, I think it was McKay, about how, you know, you were talking about how we reflect light, and that we, and we reflect light, and so this was a definition of power and authority and it says possession of control authority or influence over others the ability to produce or an effect physical mighty mental or moral efficiency authority the power to influence or command thought opinion or behavior a convincing force and i think if we're we reflect light we reflect that and convince other people help to have you know it, it said so I can't remember, I have to look up the quote, but that everything that we think or how we behave emanates to other people. They can feel that radiation or that light. So we are, that is our power. That's his power and authority because he emanated light and goodness and we can emanate the same thing. And so. So did you guys, uh, you probably didn't Cameron, 
did you watch Elder and Sister Holland's talk tonight, Fireside? To the I young girls, because I want to be. No, like I just, you. I just saw a link for it. <laughs> Let me tell you, um, I was late because my husband and I were talking, and um, and I just, I messaged my kids while I was watching it. Sister Holland talks for, well, he talks, and then he introduces Sister Holland, and you know, her, her voice is very weak mm -hmm. and i thought she'll just talk for a little bit because it sounds like it's hard for her but i i don't think it's difficult i think that's just how she talks now with that weak voice did she speak with power and authority let me tell you and i told my husband i said it's almost like she said i have something to say i want this to be known and he said yeah he felt the same way and then elder holland so much power and authority so yeah. much it was really really good so even if you don't want to be a young adult <laughs> i recommend watching it <laughs> oh man the, the young adults have like the best speakers of all of them like <laughs> other than youth battalion that was like probably the all-time but um yeah ces and, and youth worldwide emotional souls are the best yeah it oh. was and when you talk about power and authority, like that's immediately where it brought me back is like, we need to, is aspire the right word? Is that like a prideful word? Mm -mm. I think it can have both. Yeah. We need to aspire to that level. I mean, that was a great example of speaking with power and authority for both women and men. Mm -hmm. So was, I was also able to. Sorry, go ahead, Stefan. Yeah, sorry. I also uh, tuned into that tonight, and I have never heard a prophet give an apostolic blessing like he did. Yeah. yeah. And he was a little weak when he started. He was walking with a cane, but at the end of his speech, you would never have known it. He was full of power. Yeah. And everything that they were saying for me was that he was and she were pleading with the young adults mm -hmm. to prepare themselves for the coming of the savior. Mm -hmm. Did you think that her, I mean, her, her testimony was so powerful and I didn't really expect that. I don't know why, but you don't usually hear that much power. It was powerful mm, from both. Yeah. Expect it from Elder Holland, right? But you don't, you don't hear Sister Holland speak that much. And I just, I don't know. I thought it was, it was very powerful. Yeah, she was spot on. Yeah. Yeah, and it was almost part of me, it, part of me made me a little fearful because I felt like this is like her last testimony. Like she wants it out there and she can't be contained. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that really really good anyways i just that caught my attention john one one through five about light mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i found i found this if i think i've repeated it before i don't know if you want to hear it again but it sure. was david o mckay quoting um i think william george jordan i don't know who that is and it's from a 1950 conference report it says a person's thoughts influence others Man radiates what he is, and that radiation affects to a greater or lesser degree every person who comes in contact with that radiation. So I think that's a form of light. 
of the power of personal kindness, George, William George Jordan writes this, into the hands of every individual is given a marvelous power of good or evil. The silent, unconscious, unseen, constant radiation of what a man is, is not what he presents to be. Every man by his mere living is radiating sympathy or sorrow or morbidness or cynicism, happiness or hope or any of a hundred other qualities. Life is a state of constant radiation and absorption or light. To exist to that radiation is to exist to be the recipient of radiation. Man cannot escape for one moment his radiation of his character. This constantly weakening or strengthening of others. He cannot evade the responsibility of saying it is unconscious enhanced. He can select the qualities he wants to be permitted to be irradiated. He can cultivate sweetness, calmness, trust, generosity, truth, justice, loyalty, nobility, and make them vitally part of his character. And these qualities will be, he will constantly affect the world. And I think that has a lot to do with light and power and authority. And somewhere I just, because I was trying to look it up and I don't remember the scripture, I'd have to go back. I thought it was in Matthew. It says, God has given us, or Christ has given us power and authority. Um, and I think that is the light of Christ that allows us to act and behave appropriately and, you know, be guided by the spirit. So, mm-hmm. um, and isn't that true? Like when you walk into a room, sometimes you just, can feel the heaviness and other times you feel the light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Can you put that in the notes? Um, I can, let's see, it's on a different device. Let's see. Um, yeah, no, I can't. I can put it in, um, let's see. I can put it on Learning Zion, the, a real Learning Zion, not on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it might be there under light. I'm not sure. Um, I don't have the gospel app. It's not on my on one device anymore. It doesn't support it <laughs> mm-hmm. that I do. You have the, like the reference to it, like which conference report was that in? It was, um, free agency, a divine gift conference report, April, 1950. Um, I'm assuming it's by David O. McKay. Yeah, I'll take a look. Find that already, Cameron? No, no. I, I was just typing it. Holy cow. Because the church only goes back to 72, and I don't know right. why that is. Yeah, you can get it in the citation index. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, might ha- I might have the citation index on this device, and I could look it up there. So let me go see if I have it. I don't remember. oh that's just the citation never mind um but yeah if we have that and and yeah if you post it on learning zion and stuff we can copy that over yeah and i might have it on there i haven't been on learning zion for a while Mm -hmm. so i'll have to go and see it might be there and i can find it and post um i think that john 5 22 to 43 is interesting Mm mm-hmm it says for the father judgeth no man but hath committed all judgment unto the son it's yeah. interesting the one that gave us mercy is also the one that judges mm-hmm. yeah and like how great that is right <laughs> like how much mercy will he give us if he's the one judging 
Mm-hmm. And not only is he the one judging, but he's also the advocate, right? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. You know, like he's our advocate before the father. And so like, okay, so we're, sometimes we we have this image in our mind that, that God is the one judging us and that we have an advocate side by side with us pleading our case before the great judge. But here, with that in mind, the father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment to his son. Mm-hmm. So God is is basically just saying, all right, who's ready to come into my presence? Who's ready to come home? And our judge our advocate, the the one that paid all the price and stuff is standing right next to us. And um, like, if our judge is already pleading our case, like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, sometimes we're always trying to appeal to the judge, but the judge is actually the one that's appealing to us. To, yeah, appealing to us and stuff. So like, it, it just kind of puts it in a little new framework for me that- sometimes I, sometimes I kind of picture it like us going, I'm really not worthy. I haven't done what I was supposed to do. And him and the savior saying, no, you really have you like my mercy is extended to you. My grace is sufficient, please. And I just think that he'll be the one more appealing to us. Mm-hmm. But in revelation, it said that he had the keys of hell and death. <laughs> So well, and it said it right there too, because remember I said then earth is hell. Where was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from that Charles Penrose quote and then oh, yeah, with Revelation. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, he has the keys. I don't think he'd have them unless he needed them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do these go to? <laughs> Help he's so compassionate and like gonna has all these the wisdom and the strength that you know he's gonna have the strength to send the ones down that need to need to burn in hell (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so it's it's very interesting just how this whole topic or entry or whatever you want to call it on the authority of jesus christ um, and how that translates down to us in and through the atonement, or sorry, endowment, not atonement, I mean, both. <laughs> I guess that was a Freudian slip that was good. But um, that here, this one is specifically re- referencing all of Christ's authority and how he has a fullness uh, of all of this. But yet we are promised through our covenants and ordinances that we can receive a fullness as well. We can receive all that the Father hath. And that is through his son, who has already received that and advanced that far. But um, when we go and receive an endowment of power, like we did the word study on power and authority or from that Greek same word and how we are then emissaries or uh, we are authorized to be light bearers of him to the world and um authorized to to perform ordinances, authorized to to bear his holy priesthood, authorized to uh, gather Israel. And and so we receive the authorization through our ordinances piecemeal um, until we can actually receive a fullness. And uh, anyway, it's just very interesting studying the exemplar of authority and then taking that and applying it to our lives and how we can also likewise grow in that authority and power and following his footsteps kind of a thing 
So does it just seem odd that Christ has the keys to hell? <laughs> and yet, as I think about it, because you don't think of him associated having power over hell, but if he has the keys to hell, the immortality and eternal life, so death is immortality, he has the keys to snatch us out of hell mm -hmm. and bring us to eternal life. Nobody can do that but him. And so he has the ability, yeah, to bring us out of the depths of despair, the depths of hell. Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at that Revelation 118 because it has that word hell and, and death. And so kind of doing a word study on, on both of those just to kind of give more nuance and, and things it to it. To be, it needs to be hyperlinked, the scripture to each one of these. I know, instead of having to scroll all the time. Yeah. But um, so death, so um, it can both mean physical or spiritual. But um, taking a look at that, it has 120 occurrences, often translated just as, as death without a delineation of spiritual or physical. But there doesn't really seem to be any other type of synonym or anything that's used in its place, but but death. Um, but, you know, interesting that it is that. But if it is a spiritual death, that's exactly what he has the keys for. The mm. death is, um, what is it, the keys of death? So he has the keys to physical death, but he also has the keys to save us from spiritual death, which we know, but that could also be defined as taking us out of hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the word hell here is actually Hades and um, wait just a second. That was important there. So Hades is the unseen world or properly. Um, well, yeah, just properly unseen. So Hades is the place of departed souls. So um being, That's why he could go teach the gospel there because he had the keys yeah, and set it up and and has the authority to administer and be a king of that, that place. So I really think that while he can snatch us from hell, he will not do it against our will. So we need mm -hmm. to call upon Jesus Christ and invite him in and then he can snatch us out. Oh, interesting. So I don't know why this popped in my head. Maybe it relates, but I don't, I don't know. It was when we were talking earlier about light and, and how that's transmitted, right. And, and things, but, um, one of my high school science classes that the, the properties of like thermal transfer, right. That cold isn't transferred. Only heat is transferred. Only light or energy or the the vibrations are are transferred from one thing to the other and so when we are talking about um hell and the the keys of bringing somebody out of spiritual paradise like what you said there he's never going to force it upon somebody but he is going to to radiate that and allow us like you know basically have the keys open the door and say you want to come <laughs> out of that place or do you want to stay and, and, and suffer kind of a thing? 
And so um, that 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 heat is, is a, a one directional thing, but um, you know, kind of like our, our famous painting, you know, he standeth at the door and knock, but but we have to be the one to actually want it because agency is always honored. And so and is that what do you say about cold? Cold doesn't rate. What did Sorry. you say about cold and thermal dynamics? And what was uh, that that heat is only transferred, cold is never transferred to anything. <clears throat> and so um so it's cold just the absence of heat. Yeah, cold is just the absence of heat. The heat is the only thing that's actually measurable. When we're measuring temperature, we're just measuring the amount of vibration or the amount of light in something. And when we're measuring and uh, calculating transfer in chemistry or biology or whatever, that we're only measuring what vibrations are being transferred and uh, and lost through that. If you can find a good article that explains it simply posted in Learning Zion under light, I mm -hmm. think, I don't know if there's a section, I don't know what section there is. I haven't been on learning Zion, so I don't know what groups there are, but yeah, that would be interesting because I'm trying to piece hey. vibration and light. And hey. I haven't hey. been able to find any article that says light and vibration are, are the same, are similar. Hey, do you guys mind if I chime in? I'm kind of new. Um, my name <laughs> is Kelly. It's Connie. That's my husband's account. So hi, Chelsea. Chelsea's my friend. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, what I, my understanding is, and I learned from a very good counselor years ago, is she said that uh, God is the energy source and the light is energy. And energy emit, is emitted from the, the source and God is the source of light. And so the farther you are away from that light source, the less vibrations you're going to get and the less energy and the less positive, and that would lead you to the cold. But the closer you get to the light source, which is his energy, which is, you know, when we become worthy of being in his presence, you know, eventually that that's, does that make sense? Uh -huh. Yeah, it's all about yeah. our agency and positioning ourselves. Right, in, but it is, it's an actual, yeah, it's an, an actual energy, light hmm. is energy. And that's why we're talking about when you get into the cold, there's no, there's zero energy there. And it, and just, just like the same as if you go into a dark space, a dark uh, closet and you open the door, you can't, the dark doesn't come out to the light. The light goes into the dark. So it's kind of the same concept. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was, I throw that out. That's what I was going to ask is to me, the more light you have, the more, more vibration and the vibration is what creates heat. Right. right, right, yeah. That's your energy source. Just think of it as an energy source. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like ent entropy. Entropy is is basically the fall of of man, mm -hmm. and um, so you get away from that, and, and entropy goes out into its nothingness. But the closer you go against that, that's what the purpose of Christ is, because He has fought against that entropy and has closed the gap, so that we can come back through Him. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And entropy is also disorganization, isn't it? Chaos. Yeah. Chaos. Yeah. So Christ yeah. is order. Mm -hmm. That makes right. so much sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. There, there was a few things here that also brought in that word order um, in light of power and authority. And then there was a few things that had order. Yeah, and the heat and light reminds me like of a baptism of fire, you know, when all the dross is burned out, all the evils burned out of us, we're filled with nothing but light. 
and mm -hmm. that's power and heat yeah you know it's and energy pure, yeah pure the pure light of christ that fills us yeah which is when why we, we can't when we become completely redeemed yeah which is why we can't stand in the presence of the father and the son right because the light mm -hmm. isn't that interesting because you think of hell as burning that's a false belief right Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually the, well, I mean, there, there's quite a few scriptures that, that talk about, you know, the, the, the fiery pits and brimstone and all that kind of stuff. And so we, yeah, we, <laughs> we tend to uh, promulgate that, but. Um, but it's that, the fire it's that sanctifies us, right? It, like you said, it's the um, baptism by fire. It's the second comforter. It's the, the sanctification. And I really think that that is what, um, when it talks about the wicked will be burned in the last day, but the righteous will be lifted up to meet Christ. Mm -hmm. I really think that that is all the same fire, but the wicked will be burned and the righteous will be purified or sanctified, right? It all, all, everything will be burned out. It's the purification process. Yeah. And the impurities will be gone. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, and the, it's, yeah, and the people that have been purified will escape the the mm -hmm. the burning fire of the wicked. Yeah, exactly, because we've already been yeah, because we've been working towards that, and whatever's right. left that needs to be burned out will be burned out. I think yeah. it's on fire. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. I hadn't thought of it that way, yeah. but yeah. So we get to choose to be burned as stubble. The burning of stubble is the same as the purification of the righteous. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, oh, I hadn't thought of that. That's cool. Because we can withstand the day, right? The fire, mm -hmm. the, the fire. We can withstand it because we've worked up in the light of Christ. If we don't have any light of Christ, then how can you all of a sudden withstand the light of Christ? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, so the goal is to get the least amount of impurities right now in our lives so that we don't get burned <laughs> too bad <laughs> yeah right and somehow tithing plays into that i don't know how <laughs> <laughs> that fire insurance right there yeah i don't know how that i mean i don't know anyways because i there's probably a lot of people that pay tithing that have not a lot of light of christ right it's more <laughs> out of habit but mm. yeah <laughs> well the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to christ so right. the laws are supposed to bring us to christ but i don't know that that always happens <laughs> we just yeah. do it because it's habit as a checklist and mm -hmm. i'm like i wonder sometimes if the gospel works the way it's supposed to because we well, just yeah perhaps that's the difference between having a testimony of something and being converted to something Yes. And a lot of people think it's the same thing. And it's, it's totally, it's totally yeah. different. The yeah, Jews the followed, a, the Jews followed a lot of laws and they didn't get saved. Mm -hmm. right. a lot of, and the come follow me just, every year has conversion. It says conversion is our goal. It doesn't say testimony is our goal. Conversion right. is our goal. And conversion means to be changed to convert. Something means to change it. That's right. So, not just follow yeah. in a tradition right exactly <laughs> there was another scripture that i looked up that you just mentioned connie oh shoot where was it was it one in our in our chapter 
It was. And it was when the, um, they asked Christ, it was right at the end. Um, I went back and read what the other scriptures were. I swear he gives a scripture about the, um, the parable of the fig tree. Actually, it's not the parable. He curses the fig tree. And then right after that, they say, um, what authority do you have? And he says, well, if you tell me the authority, then I'll tell you my authority. If you answer this question. Yeah. Um, and it's got to be right here. At Matthew the 21, 24. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's right up here at the top of the page. Yeah. And Jesus answered and said, I'll ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. And then I can't remember the exact question, but it was something about John the Baptist. And they were like, well, if we speak against John, the people will hate us. But if we don't, but if we do, then... I can't remember what else. And so they, um, um, they said, well, we can't answer. And he goes, well, I can't answer either. So <laughs> I can't remember now what it was you said, Connie, but it made me think of the scripture. That's funny. <clears throat> yeah. But it like what's been brought up. It, it also made me think just a, a couple prior to that, that Matthew seven twenty nine, 29, uh -huh. for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. So the, the, there's a difference. Even if you're fulfilling the law and the basics and, and things, unless you actually have the authority or the power present, if you don't have any fruits by which you can know, you're just a scribe or uh, a Pharisee or <laughs> someone that is doing the bare minimum that is not actually doing any good for um, versus he came as one or taught them as one having authority. And that's what Kelly, that's what um, Connie said. Now I remember is that they uh -huh. didn't have the authority, but Christ did. And I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again because it's appropriate um, that um, I was at my best friend's, at my friend's house. We've known each other since we were 11 and she was hosting our entire family for a wedding of my daughter, uh, of my son and my daughter and and her young and her brother, my youngest son, uh, we have four. Um, they had driven down and they'd stopped at our friend's house and picked up apple cider. They have a apple orchard. And our friend was sending down all this apple cider for the wedding. And they hadn't taken it out of the back of the car. And my son was speeding down the road and didn't realize there was a speed bump and the whole car went up. What they didn't know till they got ready to pack the car was two gallons of the apple cider the lid it hit so hard and a total of half gallon half a gallon of beach poured out all over the back of the car so it's sunday morning and we're packing them up and find this out and or she just now is revealing it because she didn't they both felt really guilty about it um and so my friend is there helping us clean it out and her husband's putting on his shoes to go to church and she goes oh he has to say prayer at church today. And so we're out there and we're getting towels and we're cleaning and scrubbing. And then I looked at her and I said, if your husband's saying it her at church today, are you missing church? And this one line sermon, don't worry about it. I'm not, if I was worried about it, then I would be a Pharisee. <laughs> well. And I just said, oh, and didn't think anything about it. And then as I pondered, because we were so busy trying to get it cleaned up and get them sent off. And then later, as I thought about it, if church was the most important thing, 
more important than helping and ministering, she would be like a Pharisee. That's really cool. Yeah. And that line has come to my mind so many times now. In fact, she's the one that I read a few weeks ago. I don't know if it was here, her letter, they're on a mission now in Hong Kong. And so if you remember that, I had read that, but anyways, how often do we put like going to church? Like I didn't have the sacrament last week because I took my husband to the airport and I won't have it the next two weeks um, because of conferences I'm at and traveling. And I had a really, really bad week this week. And I just thought it's because I haven't had the sacrament. And so, and yet my friend was in a place where she was lifted up by helping a friend, not by the sacrament, right? Yes. <clears throat> Elder Bednar, who speaks to the missionaries, the MTC often, had a mm -hmm. speech recently where he said uh, he was, it was back when he was 42 years old and he was a state president. He was having a meeting and the meeting um, was a very important one with all the elders quorum presidents and everything. And <clears throat> he sees in the audience an elders quorum president who his son and Elder Bednar's son played on the same basketball team. And so he said, he thought to himself, he's here and not at his son's basketball team. Well, he, he told his counselor, you're in charge of the meeting. I want uh, that elders quorum president in my office in a minute. So we went in there and told him, let's go to the game. So they went to the game, missed the whole meeting, decided that was not the important thing. And come to find out like about a month later that elders quorum son died in a freak accident. So sometimes you just have to make decisions about what's more important, you know, just based on what you're feeling, what the spirit, you know, guides you. Right, because it's not always about having the sacrament. We need the sacrament. It's an important ordinance. Right, but, but sometimes, sometimes we put church meetings and, you know, what we should be doing instead of what's most important. So when we are missing the sacrament or meetings to fulfill a higher law, does that give us the same filling? Does it fill us the same? Mm -hmm. I would think so. <laughs> I think only you can answer that for yourself as you, right. you, your more light comes into you and you learn to understand those things. Well, and that's where the Holy Ghost testifies of what is right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Guide. Because so like sometimes doing what appears to be right isn't always right. Right. Well, just like that talk you were talking about with, with I, I heard it too with Bednar. And he said, I didn't know why I was doing it at the time. And I thought, oh, should I really be doing this? Taking this yeah. guy and both of us going to this meeting? You know, this is an important meeting. He didn't know why at the time. And he was having conflicting feelings within himself at the time until something then that happened. So a lot of times we don't know them things till a later point in time. Right. We have to have the main point is that faith and trust that feeling and only we can learn that feeling ourselves. And I'm thinking of examples in the Book of Mormon, like Nephi killing Laban, like um, Alma and Amulek and letting the women and children into the fiery pits, right? 
that didn't seem like the right thing to do. The Lamanites who buried their weapons and allowed themselves to be killed, wouldn't it be right to defend yourself? You would think so. And so, I mean, it was okay for the Nephites to defend them. Um, but I'm sure well, each, I'm that's sure why each and every one of us has to be able to mm -hmm. learn. That's why I think we've been told over and over and over again, be able to hear Christ talking to us, telling us the Holy Ghost so that we can hear and recognize that it is his voice, not an imposter's voice, that we can hear that. That's why I think it's been so pounded to us over and over and over again these last few years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was interesting that um, counselor that directed sacrament meeting today, I guess conducted is the right word, um, bore his testimony, obviously. And then he, I was really impressed that he knew this word for word because I don't, but he quoted President Nelson that we will not be able to abide the coming day without the guiding, directing and something else of the Holy Ghost. When we had our, our ward, our stake actually, had um, Christofferson come and did a special state conference for the youth and for our state also in December. Mm -hmm. And that was the whole entire thing was hear his voice. You need to be able to hear the, what he is telling you. How, and they give everybody that spoke, every single one of them was on that. It was drilled in. And if you didn't hear that coming, it was like, wow, that was, and to have that faith, be able to know him, on a personal basis, what he's like, know his attributes, know what he says, how he talks, how he is, how he feels, everything about him. So it makes me think that in a coming day, several things will happen. Um, yep. That there will be so much confusion we won't know. That there will be no communication, so we won't know. Yep. Or that there will be so much and or there will be so much deception, meaning this was kind of brought up recently in my life. Um, do you remember a few years back? And I tried to find the talk and I couldn't find it, but someone, I think it was a BYUI devotional gave a talk about AI. And I remember, oh. and, and the oh, yeah. And I, I think it's going to be all of the above that you just mentioned. I <laughs> all just threw wonder, in together. What if there's a deep fake as our prophet and apostles telling us something that isn't true. You know what, you guys, I went to Disneyland and I'm so all, I mean, I, I don't like Disneyland. I went with my sister-in-law cause she loves it. I went down there before and it was before Christmas. All I mean, and I've been seeing all this AI, all these different things. And I'm sitting there looking at how when they have the riverboat coming down and they're showing all these things out across the, the images in the air and floating out and there's none of it's real. It's all fake. Every bit of it. You walk from one world and then all of a sudden you're into another world that's just all illusion. It's creation. It's it, They've been working on all this stuff. It's my belief for a long, long time. And they, they're getting, I, I think that's a lot of what you're saying is going to actually happen. And I was looking at it through such a different set of eyes while I was walking through it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, this is not good. And aren't we told that the Antichrist will appear? Yeah. 
in the clouds in the clouds and you will be deceived if you don't have the holy ghost if you don't know him if you don't have a testimony yep i'm just saying there's a reason why 20 plus years ago a proclamation on the family came out and then how many years later did the testimony of christ come out yeah and I even think, like our restoration proclamation, I think is going to to play uh-huh. a huge role in our deception protection, I guess you yep. could say. <laughs> yep. And I think test will come on our testimony of Christ and our test will come on the restoration. Yeah. I think okay. that the proclamation on the family is a pattern for us. Yep. The talk tonight, for me anyway, um, from President Sister Holland was all about this very subject that we have to be in tune to be able to make it in the days ahead. And that if we don't, and he said, this very hour, you need to change if you're doing something wrong. Don't hesitate, do it now. There was urgency in his voice. Mm Yeah. Yeah, so that deception's coming. And if we just look at anything in the world, I've kind of closed myself off to a lot of world stuff lately. And, uh, you know, people tell me different things here and there. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of getting <laughs> pretty ridiculous. I mean, we have some real world struggles right now that uh, we're going to have to start confronting sooner or later. And yeah, uh, <laughs> without uh, the guiding influence of, of the Holy Ghost. I'm at a point where I question almost everything. I have a, I mean, I have kids that are a lot more naive and they call me and I'm like, no, don't, don't even, do not make a rash decision. You need to stop. You need to think it through. You need to question it. What is there a motive? And oh, I mean, part of it, I feel like golf. I said, don't think I'm crazy. I'm really not. <laughs> but, but I know you think it and I found it, but this world we're living in right now you can't take anything at face value i feel in in a lot of areas that's why we need to know who we're dealing with in everything that's my thought Mm -hmm. yeah and so i think that like our topic tonight of the authority is how we really can distinguish a lot of the the truth from error when when we can recognize what authority is and who has it you know, like, you know, the classic example of a policeman, you know, if you get pulled over by somebody that has flashing lights, but really doesn't have any authority to do so, versus, you know, the laws of the land and, and know how to recognize a true police officer and, and uh, you know, kind of a thing, versus um, Satan's counterfeit. Satan's getting super, I mean, he already is an expert at, at deception, but knowing... I deception either <laughs> yeah it's blatantly out there but well, and not only that but i mean technology has oh has caught up to where yeah. i mean deep fakes we don't know what's everything what, and men are men are boys and i mean men are girls and girls are yeah. boys you just you know you, yeah. the confusion well, my grand alone are just so confused yeah well and you think about it you think about this that but the, you know, everyone that walked with Christ when he was on earth, all of Matthew, 
you know, James, all, I, everybody that walked with him, Mary, everybody. And when he died and then resurrected and he came back, they didn't recognize him at first. They didn't know who he was. What mm. did they have to, they had to hear for that voice. I mean, mm. they didn't. So I think that's something very telling to us too, that we need to be, get to know that. You know, it's like, I, I think I told you guys once about my niece that I hadn't seen her for a few years. And then she's a teenage girl now. And she's sitting there talking to me and I'm going, who is it? I know you, but I don't know you. And then once it finally, I mean, it was a good 20 minutes into the conversation before I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, when the finally it hit me who she was. Yeah. Hmm. So, and that also, I'm trying to find the scripture and it, re one of them referenced Alma. And so I went and looked that up. So I don't know if it was in Alma. I want to say like Alma 550. I can't remember. So I don't know if it was there or where I don't see it now, but it talked about Christ having the authority, being the King, um, being the one. And I remember thinking, why isn't one capitalized? So as we've just gone through this whole electing of a speaker of the house, which I don't know a whole lot about, I'm just saying part of our process is recognizing who has the authority, who is the King, who is the one and, and relying on him, not, not government. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Because everything, I don't know what all happened, but I know that he had, he kept failing the vote like 12, 13, four, I don't know how many times before he finally passed, but there's negotiations and there's things happening and the Lord doesn't need to negotiate. Yeah, it's, it's his way and we're on board or we're not. And so anyways, I'm just saying we just, we will all be governed by one person in the millennium. He will be our King of Kings and Lord of Lords and recognizing that he has the authority to govern us, not any government and oh, absolutely. that in there. And I don't remember where it was. And I'm not seeing it just scanning real quickly, but it could have been in a side note that I went on. Mm -hmm. So a little tangent. So anyway, and, um, and that kind of goes along with, oh, and I just saw it and I don't know where it is, but I came unto, you know, the Lord, the, your father sent me and you received me not. Are we going to receive him as our, as the one who governs us and do we receive him now and that goes back to everything else we've talked about on gaining more light having the holy ghost all of that mm -hmm. yeah. having the holy holy ghost as our guide yeah all of that um anyway that's what well, i learned it's good to see your face connie well, and you think about all these, you know, the two years of when it started with the lockdown and all these young kids that were put into this darkness being yep. locked in and nothing but, you know, computer games or whatever they're looking at. Look at how much darkness it threw into these young kids' lives at that point that, you know. And I was shocked because it was such a great time. I loved having church at home. I loved having the sacrament at home. I loved when, when. 
my husband got up and bore his testimony after we all went back to church. And he said, I really hate, hated seeing the Galky first ward disbanded. And people just looked at, nobody knew what we were talking about, you know, <laughs> but I, I loved having, it was such, for me, 2020 was amazing. Well, I think so, that part might've been okay, but I think for kids being oh, for home 24 right. seven, not being able to go anywhere and well, my family, we didn't abide by any of the rules. We did what we wanted anyway. But I so. think there were a lot of adults. We broke that, them all. I think there were a lot of adults that were put into that same position too. And it put yeah, a lot of people in the darkness. And I, I, the, the, the people who were closest to that, you know, the light we talk about, that the, they were living their life to where they could hear him. I mm -hmm. think those people probably survived that and came through it a lot better than those who did not you, you could clearly tell people who were not in tune with the spirit they weren't okay with that rough patch you know we've got more rough patches coming so that's an indicator of if we didn't survive that one very well we probably better get ourselves in yeah, order awesome. <laughs> yeah it, it was definitely a sifting right because a lot of people just took vacation off of coach yep yep and for me it was it was pretty powerful yeah yeah there were good things that came out of it like you know we never would have known all the garbage that's going on at school if it wasn't for that <laughs> yeah. and i just find it interesting that he started ministering about two years before that happened you know yeah so how prepared other people interesting yeah. story one of the things my husband was telling me before I got on was um, he's the elders quorum president and he's been making phone calls to all the brothers to find out how their ministering's going. And <laughs> for the second time, nobody will answer his phone calls, nor do they <gasps> phone calls. Oh, wow. Oh, and I said, you know, if I were you, I would say, I'm not standing for that. And I would quietly take people out one by one and say, okay, didn't hear back from you. Could you please report? <laughs> Yeah, but can I say we moved in in January 2020 and we have yet to have a ministering brother and mm -hmm. I had two ministering sisters and um yeah remember when I broke my arm she happened to come visit me well actually I had broken it on mother just before mother and I thought my son was coming over to visit because it looked like his car my bedroom sits on the front of the front window and then I was waiting for him to come in and he never came in the car left. It was my ministering sister dropping off a chocolate bar, not calling me, not checking on me. And there I was with a broken arm waiting for surgery. And then she did come to visit me after I'd had surgery. And I said, um, yeah, my poor husband doesn't even know how to cook. She's like, yeah, I don't cook. I just clean. I'm like, yeah, my house hasn't been cleaned in four weeks. Cause I was going to clean the next day. She's like, well, good luck with that. See you later. hope you get better. <laughs> she didn't contact me for another four or five months. Huh. Yeah. Since I've been gone, I haven't had anybody contact me. My poor ministering sister, she had had surgery on her shoulder <laughs> that I go to and I've known her for years and years and years. Our kids were friends when they were younger. And she's like, I've got a really big favor. I'm like, sure. I told you I'd do anything. What? She's like, I can't put my earrings in. <laughs> <she'd have> <laughs> and her. that's how it 
that's how I met my ministering sister. I had my arm in the sling and a hard cat and a hard splint. And I said, I just was only wearing dresses because I couldn't put pants on and go to the bathroom and everything. And so I said, my skirt is stuck up on the side and I can't get it down. And could you help me? And she was like, oh, no, I think it's come down now. But I was the same way. I was like, I can't even barely dress myself. Yeah. And then she had said, get her husband's name, Gary. He put a casserole in for me, but it needs to come out now. And I can't lift it. And I'm like, I'll be right over. It's all good. I'll be there with you. <laughs> but it was just, it was some of them funny things that it's like, yeah. that's so funny, you know, that yeah. I'm, just, I'm just glad that we have that kind of a relationship that, you know, you don't feel like you know you're you can't do that either so that's awesome and and it's sometimes really that ministering is just the simple things mm -hmm. just that put my earrings in exactly yep. it's not always hard things nope. and i think you get afraid that it will be too hard don't bother me it's too hard mm -hmm. so anyway but they've given me two others because they say i do good with the non-members but they didn't give me an address for their houses so oh, yeah. it's four phone number. So I'm really kind of. I'm like, um, it would be helpful if I knew where they lived or had a phone number for them. I can't do much that way. Oh, we'll get it to you. Well, this is our time to learn how to be ministering angels, most definitely. Yes, it is. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else on? the authority that uh, stood out to you and you want to talk about before we close out for the night? No, but I want to close out. And then I just have some things that don't have to do with this at all that I wanted to ask oh, you yeah. about. For so sure. I don't know if you want to keep recording it or. Yeah, we'll probably close out and turn off the recording, but yeah. So for next week, um, same time, same place. And we'll discuss number 10, which is the baptism of Jesus Christ, which is a really short one. So come prepared we have we're gonna deep dive and do lots in that one but and i think i'll be gone the next two weeks because i'll be at conferences one in nashville and i'm gonna go to one in saint george gotcha. so i'll yeah. miss you guys <laughs> so speak up <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of silent there for a little bit before you hopped on <laughs> oh man <laughs> so yeah teasing all right there's one thing I'll say before you go, because uh, Althea was talking about, uh, you know, whether we submit to the power and authority of God. And there was somebody had posted and I'd seen it before. It's Elder Bednar. Uh, maybe you've seen it. he's talking to the MTC, to the missionaries, and it's about agency. Have you seen that one? I've seen it, posted, but I haven't yes. watched it. That's a yeah, good one it's, pretty, it's pretty short, but he talks about there is no free agency. There's only agency, no free agency. Yeah. And it's really good. And so it's about whether we we have no choice really, but to submit to to the authority of God and Christ. Um, he, he explains it really well. <laughs> yeah. He always does. Well, but and that's another thing the Lord's been teaching. Go ahead. So you just have to look it up. It's on YouTube and it's called Elder Bednar, I think on agency on the MTC or to the missionaries. And that's another thing the Lord's been teaching me. It was a talk. I thought it was in conference, but I think it was a BYU devotional by him about being agents to act, to be acted upon or act for ourselves and how we are not agents 
to be acted upon, which goes along with agency, right? And how often do we give up our agency? Like every day when you're driving and you get mad at someone, you just allowed yourself to be acted upon. Yep. Uh So. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I'll have to go look for that. Thanks for reminding me about it, Elle. Yeah. So we'll close out though.